From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Washington Watch. Coming up, Russia's invasion of Ukraine has come with a warning from Russian President Vladimir Putin. Whoever would try to stop us and further create threats to our country, to our people, should know that Russia's response will be immediate and lead you to such consequences that you have never faced in your history. We are ready for any outcome. Those comments were from President, uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin last night, warning the West not to come to the aid of Ukraine. Earlier this afternoon, President Biden responded to the Russian invasion. Our forces are not and will not be engaged in the conflict with Russia in Ukraine. Our forces are not going to Europe to fight in Ukraine, but to defend our NATO allies and reassure those allies in the East. Will Russia go beyond Ukraine? Also, will the U.S. response embolden or deter other adversaries like China? We'll talk with former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo in just a moment. And how should Christians view these unfolding world events, and how should they respond? My good friend, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, will join me later for that discussion. You won't want to miss it. Also, in our American Freedom Convoy, Maureen Steele, National Organizer of the People's Convoy, joins us from the road in Arizona as the convoy makes its way to the nation's capital. We'll also talk with Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, who has issued a 13-page opinion on Texas state law that says the chemical and surgical experimentation that is happening on children with gender dysphoria is child abuse. Needless to say, that has created a Texas-sized dust storm with the left. General Paxton joins us later. And today I'm going to deviate from our two-year Bible reading plan for today's verse. By the way, today's passage is Exodus 37 and 38, but I've chosen Matthew 24, 6. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. What is happening in Ukraine reminds us we live in troubled times, but we're not to be troubled. Rather, we need to pray with hope and understanding and then act with confidence. I invite you to join us in our two-year journey through the Bible. To find out how, go to frc.org slash Bible. Also, you can join me each morning, Monday through Friday at 8.44 a.m. Eastern for a short daily devotion based upon the Bible reading plan. In response to Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine, President Biden today announced new sanctions against Russia, but acknowledged that it will take some time for their full impacts to be felt by Russia and its economy. In his remarks earlier this afternoon, the president also said America stands up to bullies. Just three minutes after saying the U.S. will not be sending troops to Ukraine. Earlier this afternoon, we connected with CBN News senior international correspondent George Thomas, who is on the ground in Ukraine. George, what's it look like right now on the ground in Ukraine? Yeah, but uh, 15 hours into this invasion, uh, look, the Ukrainians are pretty much pinned on all sides. I mean, it started uh, in the east, it moved to the south and then to the north. Uh, uh, the troops, uh, Russian troops rolling their tanks across the Crimean Bridge did not uh, face any resistance. Uh, the same to some extent in the north as they rolled down into Belarus. Uh, my understanding is that uh, as of this hour, 
we, we were not getting any reports, uh, concrete uh, reports, that the Russians have uh, passed the so-called line of contact uh, in the east. It, appar- it apparently uh, seems like the Ukrainians are holding that position. But seriously, you know, they are, they are sort of surrounded uh, on all three sides. George, let me ask you this right now. Do the Ukrainians feel as if they're standing alone? The Ukrainians absolutely feel like they're standing alone. Absolutely. One source said to me moments after the first bomb started dropping, he said, George, we don't need uh, more sanctions. We don't need uh, a unity, show of unity amongst the EU or NATO members. What we need is hundreds of U.S. Air, uh, fighter jets and NATO jets flying over Ukrainian airspace. That is what's going to send a very powerful message to, to the Kremlin. You've got to use force to deal with, uh, with a person like, uh, like Vladimir Putin. Again, that was CBN's George Thomas in Ukraine. Join me now with more on the current crisis is the former U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Mr. Secretary, welcome back to the program. Tony, it's great to be with you. Thank you for having me on today at this very, very challenging moment. You said recently that it's not Vladimir Putin who has changed. It's America's leadership that has changed. Explain. Well, for our four years, my time in service as a secretary of state, the last two and a half of those four years, we were resolved to protect American interest everywhere. We put America first and we let bad guys, we let authoritarians from Xi Jinping in China to Chairman Kim in North Korea to the Ayatollah in Iran and indeed Vladimir Putin himself in Russia. We let them know we were going to protect the things that mattered most to America. This administration has not been able to manage that same level of deterrence. You can you can see Vladimir Putin hears Biden, President Biden, come to the microphone and give some weak sanctions in response to a massive invasion of Europe. Uh, That's just that's signaling to the world that America has lost its capacity, its leadership capacity to actually deliver good outcomes. We're a great nation. We're a powerful nation. They this thug understands one thing, brute force. We should give him the brute force that he deserves for the evil aggression he has now imposed on the Ukrainian people. Mr. Secretary, I mean, going back to use a very simple analogy, the schoolyard uh, in elementary school, you get bullies and they pick on those who are weak. Uh, and, and I would think that what happened was that during the Trump years that Vladimir Putin was pretty much bottled up, hemmed in uh, because he didn't understand. He did not know how America would respond. He, he, he knew it would with, be with force. But I think it appears that he's picking on America and others are ignoring America and picking on others because he perceives weakness. I I fear that that's absolutely what's taking place. And when I say I fear that, that's certainly what's happening in Ukraine today. I fear that we'll see a cascading series of crises. Even as we speak, Tony, even as we speak, the United States is in Vienna with the Russians on their side of the table, on our side of the table, the American side of the table, negotiating a deal to create a pathway for a nuclear weapon for the Iranians. You've got Russians negotiating as partners of the United States while Russia is invading Ukraine. That is, I, 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 you can hear it in my voice. I, it, this is incomprehensible to me. It sends exactly the signal that Vladimir Putin hears, which is, I can move about the cabin. I can go destroy the lives of Ukrainian children and women. And the United States and the West will do nearly nothing to push back against me. Will Vladimir Putin stop with Ukraine? Is this simply a desire to create the buffer states around Russia or will he go beyond? I think we should take I think we should take Vladimir Putin at his word in terms of his intentions. He's spoken about this many times, most recently in a 
long meandering revision of history, of the history of World War II and the history of Russia, indeed, where he talked about countries in particular, Finland, the Baltics. Uh, we, we should be sure that Vladimir Putin desires the, the, uh, the resurrection of the Soviet Union or a, a greater Russia from the times of Peter the Great. Uh, Vladimir Putin will be intent on this only until the moment he meets force and real resistance. So long as we are soft, so long as the West allows him to have $100 barrel oil and to continue to destroy freedoms in Ukraine, he'll continue to keep moving, Tony. As you mentioned earlier, this has cascading effects. I mean, we're already seeing this in Taiwan, where uh, China has flown into uh, defense airspace of the Taiwanese. Um, and, I, and I know you're, you're going to be meeting with the Taiwanese uh, president, I, I believe, next week. Um, where else might we see activity as a result of America's response or lack thereof to what's happening in Ukraine? Tony, I think you can see it in a number of places. You'll see it in uh, certain dimensions of warfare. You'll see them continue to build out their missile systems, their space systems, their cyber capabilities. You'll see it physically on the ground. They'll be more aggressive in Syria, where you have U.S. forces nearly uh, tank nose to tank nose with the Russians. It, it wouldn't surprise me if they continue to move the boundaries in places like Georgia and uh, other regions that are close to Russia. And this is someone who understands what power is and when 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 power meets weakness it's a total mismatch tony well in an unbelievable but candid look at the misplaced priorities of this administration john Kerry, who former secretary of state uh said this about what's happening in ukraine play clip eight please I hope diplomacy will win but massive uh emissions consequences to the war but equally importantly you're going to lose people's focus. You're going to lose certainly big country attention because they will be diverted. And, and uh, I think it could have a damaging impact. I hope President Putin will help us to stay on track with respect to what we need to do for the climate. I mean, we, we have innocent civilians, women and children being killed. And we have John Kerry talking about hoping Vladimir Putin will help preserve the environment. Tony, I don't know where to begin. <laughs> you know, this administration has truly led with climate change in every field. John Kerry was the first American senior leader to go meet with Vladimir Putin, not Secretary Blinken, not President Biden, but John Kerry. We told Vladimir Putin, if you'll tell us a few lies on carbon reduction, uh, we'll let you do whatever it is you want to do. This is what we're seeing today. This is this is ludicrous to say that somehow, boy, it, in spite of the fact he's invading Ukraine, I sure hope he'll take a, a coal-fired power plant down. A, he's not going to take his coal-fired power plant down. And B, that's just crazy to think that the correct response to an authoritarian aggressor like Vladimir Putin is to say, hey, can we all meet in Copenhagen and have a glass of, have a cup of tea and talk about climate change? If I were President Biden, I'd, I'd call him back immediately. I'd tell him to stop diminishing the United States in the eyes of the world. This underscores something that uh, a phrase that we hear often, uh, I use it many times a day, that is elections have consequences. And and we're seeing this play out both on the international stage and domestically. When we see the misplaced priorities of this administration, we're paying for it at the pump. Uh, we're seeing, you know, we got truckers, you know, driving across the country, standing up for freedom. Uh, you know, we have innocent civilians dying in foreign countries all coming back to American weakness in misplaced priorities. 
you know, Tony, you hit it on the head there. We could get a twofer. Perhaps the quickest thing that President Biden could do to put pressure on Vladimir Putin would be to immediately direct that we lift all the new regulations he's put in place, denying America the capacity to produce its own energy and ship that energy around the world. I don't know what it's sitting at as we're speaking today. Close to 100 bucks a barrel, Tony. That's right. going to be a gas pump for every American. It's going to be LNG, too, natural gas. It's going to cost more for folks to heat their homes or cool their homes in the summertime. Uh, we have the capacity to drill. We were, we were up to almost 13 million barrels per day in the Trump administration. We're now down to something like 85% of that. President Biden says, I'm going to open the strategic, strategic petroleum reserve. The biggest petroleum reserve and the most strategic one is the one that's underground. We ought to drill, baby, drill and ship it, ship it to Germany, ship it to Estonia, ship it to Ukraine, ship it to Latvia and Lithuania. We can change the lives of these people. And when you drive the price down to 50 bucks a barrel, where it sat for much of the Trump administration, you will be denying the very monetary fuel that is allowing Vladimir Putin to roll tanks in and kill women and children in Ukraine today. Secretary, Mr. Secretary, just got a few seconds, but do you see this administration having the capacity to do a course correction? Tony, you began with prayer. I pray that they will get this right. You and I have been in the trenches working on religious freedom, too. I was speaking today with a friend named Father Oleg, a great Christian man who's a leader of the Ukrainian Orthodox Church who's running a hospital in Kiev. He sent pictures from what's taking place, the soldiers that are already coming back, the destruction of the freedom of Ukrainians to make decisions for themselves, their democracy, their faith. This will be destroyed. I pray that President Biden will come to see this clearly and come to take the actions that will lead America to the right place to push back against Vladimir Putin. And we will join you. Uh, in that prayer. Mr. Secretary, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you very much, sir. Have a good day, Tony. You too. All right, coming up, our Freedom Convoy. Our coverage continues. Uh, we'll be talking with the national organizer of one of the leading convoys. Don't go away. That's next here on this edition of Washington Watch. Are you struggling to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. The Stand on the Word reading plan takes you through daily scripture in an engaging manner to help you stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. With the current division and confusion of our culture, It is so important for Christians to root ourselves in the truth of God's word so that we are prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. For this purpose, Family Research Council launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. The center applies the Bible and the historical teachings of the church to current issues. This helps Christians understand and live by a biblical worldview, know why scripture must be authoritative, and equips believers to advance and defend the faith in workplaces, schools, communities, and the public square. 
The experts at the center address and provide resources on issues like religious liberty, abortion, voting, marriage, and sexuality. To access free resources like the Biblical Worldview series, go to frc.org worldview. To get highlights of the latest work of the Worldview Fellows, including blogs, interviews, and publications, sign up at frc.org subscriptions. At Family Research Council, it is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, we've decided to be proactive to make sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. That is why we've created a tech subscription platform. If we get canceled, you can stay informed and still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get special alerts on the biggest stories of the day. You can stay informed with just a simple text. We want you to be able to stay connected with like-minded community and to always have access to our content. Stay connected and informed. Just text STAND to 67742. Taking a stand, defending Freedom Convoy. Well, it's day two for the trucker-led People's Convoy, which set out yesterday from Southern California, and we are continuing to track along with the procession as it makes its way peacefully across the country toward Washington, D.C., standing up, or should I say rolling, for freedom. Joining me for today's special Defending Freedom Convoy segment is the national organizer of the People's Convoy, Maureen Steele. She is uh, connecting with us. In fact, we're still trying to get her connected from the road in Arizona, where the convoy is uh, right now. In fact, if you want to go to their website, uh, they have all their stops listed out over the next few days. And uh, there's a link at TonyPerkins.com if you'd like to uh, keep up with what they're doing. Also, uh, at TonyPerkins.com, we were talking earlier with uh, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo about praying for the people in Ukraine. Well, we have a uh, we have a prayer guide at TonyPerkins.com uh, that can kind of give you some history there and also encourage you and uh, how to pray for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. Well, joining me now from the road is Maureen Steele. She is the national organizer for the People's Convoy that's headed to Washington D.C. Maureen, welcome to Washington Watch. Hi there. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Well, absolutely. So on yesterday's show, we had uh, Pastor Rob McCoy, who uh, prayed over the convoy before it embarked on its cross-country journey. So I wanted to check in and see how things have been going over the uh, this first day on the road. I, I got to tell you, this has been an unbelievable experience um, for all of us on this convoy. But the outpouring of love and support um, the generosity of the American people, it is it is overwhelming. We have five tractor trailers right now, only two stops, where we started in Barstow and where we uh, marshaled last night in Flag, in, um, in Kingsman. We have five tractor trailers full of supplies and food and water. And um, we had a, two companies give us 25,000 gallons of, of fuel for the truck. The kindness of people has just been staggering the support. We have rubber made bins full of letters from children, money, 
um, just cards wishing us well, thanking God we're doing this and praying for us. It has just been, you know, God's hand is on this convoy. Um, this, this, this country was founded, you know, one nation under God, and I don't believe God is going to let this country fall to evil uh, hands and uh, to socialism. You know, people are rising up. The, the veils are coming off people's eyes. And um, every creed, color, and nation was represented um, at that rally yesterday when we left. Um, it was it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen and witnessed and been part of. Um, just absolutely extraordinary. I'm so proud to be an American today. I'm proud of our country, and I'm, I'm proud of the way our countrymen are rallying um, under the banner of freedom together. That is the one thing that unites us all, and um, liberty crackles through all of our veins, and this country is strong and united, and we are going to get our freedoms back. Well, Maureen, uh, we want to thank you Thank you for your leadership. It uh, It is amazing to watch, and that's why we're doing this segment uh, each day, kind of tracking the progression here, because what this shows is that no matter who you are, where you are, if you'll simply use what you have, you can defend freedom. And that's why I'm so grateful for the truckers uh, all across this country and in Canada that have stood up against tyranny and doing it in a peaceful, lawful manner. I mean, this is uh, this. I think that's why people are coming out to support you. It's because they're thankful for those that are standing up to defend freedom. Yes. And, and yeah, what's so amazing is that there's nothing, there's nothing hateful. There's no derogatory flags. There's, there's nothing like that. It's purely love of country. I just left a gas station a few minutes ago and um, this woman recognized me and came up and she hugged me and then her girlfriend did. Um, But we get out to the parking lot and she said, you know, all this time, for the last two years, I felt alone, like I was the only one. And she was being part of this convoy now. She was seeing all the support. She was, we're the majority. You know, we're, we are vastly the majority of people that want freedom and want our country back to the way it was. And we're going to take it back. And like you said, in a loving way, but a strong way, the voices of the American people are about to be raised very loudly with this convoy. Um, this like when Trudeau stood up and said, you know, what was going on in Canada was a fringe group. Anyone with two eyes in their head that, that was looking at, at some of the footage absolutely knew that was not the case. That was no fringe group. That was majority of the country rallying against Trudeau. And that is well, what is I, happening I th- here. Yeah, I think he was actually it's, looking in the mirror when he said that. Um, yeah, yeah it, and it's, let's, it's the same here. This is more than just truckers. You have others that have joined this convoy as well. So talk about some of the others that have joined in. I mean, that's one of the most beautiful things. And it's one of the things as as having been the one that's worked with the truckers and and rallied the truckers through this whole process. Uh, It absolutely is not just the truckers. They're the tip of the spear, you know, our wonderful uh, backbone of America, the kings of the road. But this is I mean, most of this convoy leaving Barstow was just people, just folks, families with their kids and the family dog in the minivan and um, students and just people. It, it is indeed the people's convoy just led by the truckers. And um, it, it was just extraordinary to see. To give you an example, we had 1,100 just people. We had, uh, right now we have about 200 trucks and uh, RVs and probably twice as many in, in just cars as, as yesterday. So we had 1,100 cars yesterday. We have about probably about 2,000 today. 
and we wow. doubled the truckers and RVs. So the convoy was six miles long yesterday. I'd say it's probably about 12 today. And uh, it is just growing, and it's going to grow bigger and bigger at every marshalling point. Um, but I love, I love that there's just families on it, and they brought the family dog. And when we marshal, everyone has their dogs out running around in the fields and parking lots. And it is, this is the most loving event I think I've ever attended. Um, it's just the, the um, yeah, the love for your fellow man and the ability to help each other and, and the willingness to just reach out and help is a bit ordinary. Well, Maureen, we're out of time up against a break, but we're going to keep checking in with you and uh, drive safely and uh, try to be the first one to the rest stop. I know it's going to be a long line with 12 miles worth of cars. <laughs> Great to talk with you. Indeed. Thank you. All right. Coming up, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton has released a formal opinion concluding that performing certain sex change procedures on children, whether it's by surgery or by medicine, is child abuse under Texas law. We'll talk with the Attorney General about that and what it means. Next, don't go away. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media, even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets, and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Next week, in fact, next Tuesday night, President Biden will give his State of the Union address. Well, on Monday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time, I will give the State of Faith, Family, and Freedom. Uh, you can join us. Go to TonyPerkins.com. That'll be at 8 p.m. on East, uh, Eastern time as we take a look at the State of Faith, Family, and Freedom 
in America. The most fundamental job of a medical doctor should be to first do no harm. But that ancient ethos has long since been thrown to the wind. Many doctors today readily prescribe to patients who are minors cross-sex hormones, drugs to block the natural process of puberty. They do so under pressure by the leftist groups that have been leaning on a number of these medical associations. They also are doing gender reassignment surgery, despite despite the long-term effects these so-called treatments will have on developing bodies, including permanent sterilization. Well, one, Attorney General is standing up to this. Joining me now to talk about how he is helping stem the tide of irreparable harm on vulnerable children is Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. General Paxton. General, are you with no, us? I lost you just for a second. I didn't hear. I, I'm sorry. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I was just talking about your 13-page opinion where you look at what is happening through the prescription of, uh, through the application of drugs and surgical procedures that are causing sterilization in, in underage children and minors. And you have declared that based upon Texas law, this is a form of child abuse. Yes, that's exactly what we found. You know, we, we did a lot of research. Our job is very simple. We're not we're not making law. We're not interpret. We were basically just exposing what the law is, and that's what we did. We spent a lot of my team spent literally hundreds of hours doing the research on this, and it's pretty clear in our in our laws at least that if you sterilize a child, whether it's through physical means or whether it's through some type of chemical means, that's child abuse in Texas, and it's wrong. And you, in your opinion, you point out that really the zenith of state power pertains to the protection of children. Uh, and so this, of, of all areas, when you're talking about minor children that are not of the age of majority, not able to make certain decisions, like in some places getting a tattoo, um, can't get a driver's license, but yet yep. we are allowing them to move forward with something that is irreparable? Yeah, it's pretty insane. I mean, in so many, most other medical procedures that have a significant impact, uh, and most other decisions that have significant impact, you have to be at least 21 when you're uh, to, to have those done. And so, for something like this, it's irreparable. It causes harm uh, that that cannot be undone. Uh, it it seems to me that Texas has gotten it right that these children need to be protected until they can make their own decision. And as you know. Uh, at least some of the research I've seen suggests that a lot of these people that do these changes, a lot of these kids that do changes, often regret it down the road. Yeah, in fact, the studies, and you uh, you point to them in your opinion piece, anywhere from, uh, you know, I think it's like 61% to 89% of uh, these youth will grow out of their gender dysphoria uh, if given time, and in some cases, uh, counseling. But what, what's happening here is that if these procedures are done, they're locked into this. And it's and, and they might be able to, you know, change the, you know, the structure of their bodies, but they can never go back and undo the damage that's been done. Yeah, the genies out of the bottle, I like to say, because it's, it's just you can't fix what, what's been done. And, and I know just from having four kids, you've, I'm sure you have children. I mean, when my kids were 16 or 15 or 12 or, you know, sometimes even a little older than that, I mean, they weren't making the most rational decisions. And, and I, I, this is what parents do. They try to guide their, their children through 
through through good things. And they're not going to make the right decision on this. There's no way they can know at that age what their future is going to be if they if they make a, a, a final decision on this. And one of the points that you you actually point out basic fact, but you start off in your opinion is that you 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 actually cannot change your biological sex. You can change your physical features, but you can never, even though they call it a, a sex change, you can never change your sex. Yeah, it's really a misnomer. It, it, I mean, it's, it's just a fact. We we have chromosomes, and they are what they are. And, uh, you know, you're either scientifically a female or scientifically a male, and that's just the way God made us. And, and that's a reality, and you can, you're de- you can definitely go in and change things. But it does not, in the end, change whether you're male or female. And that has implications for individuals as they're treated medically because men and women are treated differently. And I know for a fact that that has led to complications in some cases where uh, those masquerading as men have been treated as men when they were women. And it has uh, had uh, devastating consequences. Uh, General, final question for you. What's been the response to your opinion there in the state of Texas? You know what? I think, you know, most Texans are pretty reasonable. It's, it's what I always try to tell people. This is the law. I mean, if you want to change, go to the legislature and lobby the legislature. But this is the law. My job is to, to tell people what the law is when, I, when I'm asked. Uh, and I, I think that the Texas legislature got it right. I think most Texans think that the legislature got it right. Yeah. Yeah. Facts are facts. But sometimes people don't like the facts. General Paxton, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, stopping by today. Thanks, Tony. Have a great day. You too. You know, and these are the same people who want to follow the science. Unfortunately, though, the science doesn't back up what they want, so it's not something that they want to embrace. All right, coming up after the break, we're headed back to Ukraine, and we'll talk about how Christians should view these unfolding events in Eastern Europe. How should we be praying, and what should we be doing? Pastor Jack Hibbs, Senior Pastor, Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, will join me for that discussion. Stay tuned for more Washington Watch on the other side of the break. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media. 
even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Attention university students. Are you looking for an internship that will help you grow as a Christian leader and allow you to positively influence the culture? Then Family Research Council's internship program is for you. FRC's life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program will prepare and equip you for the next step in your professional journey. You'll enjoy a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training. All of these offerings were created to aid you in your personal and professional development. As an intern, you will have the opportunity to work side-by-side with our experts in policy, communications, event planning, and more. The real-world experience you gain will prepare you to pursue a career of influence and make a difference wherever God calls you. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you, including a prayer guide uh, for how to pray for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. Also, as I mentioned, Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, I'll be uh, presenting a state of faith, family, and freedom in America in advance of the president's State of the Union address on Tuesday. So you can check that out at TonyPerkins.com. World leaders and people across the globe are denouncing the actions of Russia, which launched its full-scale assault on Ukraine at about 5 a.m. local time. Now, the events are still unfolding as we speak. Uh, But Ukraine's Minister of Health said today that there are about, uh, so far, 57 people who have died. 169 have been injured following the attacks by Russian forces. Now, this includes both combat and non-combatant injuries. And uh, as we watch in horror as these events continue to unfold, the question is, how should we as Christians be viewing and responding to the situation? How does it fit into what we know is, uh, you know, as I... As I uh, cited earlier from Matthew chapter 24, that Jesus said, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So we know that the world is going to be a troubled place. And so how should we respond? What should we be doing? We're going to be joined by Pastor Jack Hibbs, actually just trying to get him connected. Uh, he's senior pastor of Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills in uh, in California. But before uh, I go to to, uh, to Pastor Jack, where we're trying to work out some sound issues there. I want to go to Travis Weber. He's the Vice President of Policy and Government Affairs here at the Family Research Council. And there's a bill coming up next week uh, in the United States Senate that will be voted on. Now, it's deceptively titled Women's Health Protection Act. And uh, this is allowing the left another opportunity to chip away at human life and dignity by striking down common sense pro-life laws and uh, equating the death of unborn children to routine medical procedures. Join me now to talk more about this. Travis Weber, he's the, as I mentioned, the vice president of policy and government affairs here at the Family Research Council. Travis, welcome back to the program. 
Thank you, Tony. All right. So uh, give our viewers and listeners an update on this measure, exactly what it does and when the Senate may be voting on this. Yes. As you mentioned, this is a pretty radical abortion bill. The Democrats are insisting on Congress uh, take a look at the bill basically codifies Roe um, by providing for a statutory right to abortion through full pregnancy. Um, and the Democrats are pushing this in light of the Dobbs, the pending Dobbs decision from the Supreme Court, which may totally gut or chip away at Roe. So the House passed this uh, back in September, 218 to 211. Only one Democrat, Henry Quaylar from Texas, voting against it. And NARAL uh, dinging him publicly after he voted against this radical abortion bill. So anyone who stands up to even the most radical abortion bill on the Democratic side is getting criticized by the abortion groups. The Senate now taking a look at this bill, Chuck Schumer dropping it on the calendar for a procedural vote on Monday. The Senate's going to take it up. I don't think it's going to pass. Thankfully, um, they need 60 votes to get over this procedural threshold. They don't have those 60 votes in all likelihood. We're probably looking around a 50-50 vote threshold here, depending on a few Republicans and Democrats around the edges. But, you know, Tony, this bill is very radical, and it it puts in statute a right to abortion and for abortion businesses to provide abortion services, and attaches all these limitations on that. It says you can't um, impose uh, clinic regulation requirements. You can't impose counseling requirements that would infringe on this right to abortion that they want to put in statute. So I do think this is noteworthy, even though, thankfully, this is probably not going to pass. It's very indicative of where the Democrats are at and the abortion lobby is at on pushing a very, very radical position on this issue. So the this is a part of the Democratic Party platform. I mean, they've made very clear what they want to do. And this is in response to what we've seen over the last decade, where you say more and more states uh, have been passing pro-life laws. And so it's just like what they're trying to do with election reform. They're trying to to wipe off the table all of the efforts that states have made to protect the integrity of elections. Well, they're doing this on life. All of the efforts that within the gains that we've made, which, frankly, led to the Dobbs case, the Mississippi case, to the United States Supreme Court, they want to eliminate all of that with this bill. Yeah, I mean, the position in this bill would override any state laws to the contrary. So all these pro-life bills were seeing passed, whether clinic regulations, pain-capable bans, dismemberment bans, other bills like the 15-week ban in Mississippi, which is at issue in Dobbs, heartbeat bills, full abortion bans, all these good pro-life measures would be overridden by um, this bill, which even prevents uh, clinic regulations and those types of conditions of being attached to the provision of abortion. So... Very radical, would override all these state laws, which, you know, Tony, there's been hundreds of these in motion over the past few years. This year alone, since January, we're tracking 200, over 200 pro-life bills and tracking over 100 pro-abortion bills that we're hoping to oppose. But we're going to see more pro-life bills introduced in the states, hopefully gain traction, pass state legislatures, be signed. It's a law as the pro-life momentum in our country continues uh, post oral arguments at Dobbs in the lead up to the decision, which we you know expect sometime this spring, likely in June, it could be earlier. But at that point, uh, things are not done. We're still going to need to continue to advance pro-life policies. If we ever reach that great day in which Roe is gutted, we're going to have to make sure that uh, those in the situation where they're facing the pressure of an abortion are provided support. And so. The Democrats and these radical abortionist attempts are not going to succeed. They're grasping for straws here. 
but we need to keep working and praying um, to protect life. And that includes defeating this inaptly named right. Women's Health Protection Act, which is really the Abortion on Demand Until Birth Act. That's what it's called. That's what we need to be calling it. All right. Well, we'll encourage people to uh, to weigh in on that with their their uh, two senators. And, of course, we'll be tracking it next week as well. And a uh, nice tie you've got there, uh, Travis. Thank you, Tony. Appreciate that. Matches matches the background quite Thank nice. Thank you. Uh, all right. I think we've got the sound issues uh, worked out with uh, Pastor Jack Hibb, senior pastor of uh, Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills in California. Pastor Jack, welcome back to the program. Tony, I want to make sure that you can hear me okay. I can hear you. Technology is great when it works. Well, I'll tell you what. There's a reason why Jesus didn't use it. That's that's what I would think. <laughs> yes, life was much simpler back then. Uh, let's. I want to get your reactions to what is happening right now in Ukraine and how should we as Christians be looking at this? You know, I, I quoted the scripture earlier from Jesus saying in Matthew chapter 24 that, you know, we're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars, but not to be troubled. Uh, these things have to take place. How do we how do we look at what's happening there in Ukraine? Well, Tony, you said it exactly right. This is a time, by the way, as we approach uh, as we approach the, the the Lord's Day on Sunday. I would I would assume, Tony, that Americans are going to do what we traditionally do, and that is there there are going to be a, a a great amount of Americans heading to church this Sunday. Maybe they haven't been there for a while, but in the midst of all these things, the church needs to be the place of stability and of answers, primarily the answers for us, for our hearts. What does the scripture say? You said it, Tony. Jesus said there'd be days just like this, and for and, and frankly, they're going to increase. So what are we to do? Personally here at, at Chino Hills, uh, we're going to be in the word of God, but also this, people come expecting the word of God to be relevant. And relevant means it's got the answers for today. Yes, there are wars and rumors of wars. Someone's going to be asking, well, is. Oh, I think we just uh, we just lost you, Pastor Jack. If you can hear me, we lost your audio. I would finish what he was going to say. Well, I will finish what he's going to say and let's see if we get him back. But look, as Jesus said, you are going to you're going to have these these troubles. Uh, they're going to be there. But do not be troubled. And how do you do that? It's exactly what Jack was saying. People are looking for an anchor in this turbulent time in which we live. I mean, look what we just went through domestically, what happened with COVID and and all the uncertainty there, the plague that spread across this country and literally around the world, shutting everything down. First time ever that we've responded to something like that. Of course, and it tanked the economy. And so... How do you respond? Well, if you have confidence in knowing that you're anchored to the truth, you won't be troubled in troubled times. You'll be, as Pastor Jack was saying, you'll be a source of stability and a source of strength for others. And that's where the church should be. And he said, you know, the word has to be relevant. And the word is relevant if we will preach it accordingly. And I do hope that pastors across this nation uh, we'll be looking at uh, Sunday as a opportunity to encourage their people to have the confidence in the word of God and in the plan of God and also be praying, praying for your brothers and sisters. As we were talking earlier in the program uh, with George Thomas, you know, Ukraine is one of the countries that produces more 
missionaries in Europe than any other. There is a strong, vibrant church there in Ukraine. We have many brothers and sisters in that country that are suffering now, and we need to be praying for them. That's why we put together this prayer guide that you can use in guiding your prayer for the folks in Ukraine. You can find it at TonyPerkins.com. I think we... I, we've got. Uh, I think we got Jack back. Um, I think we have him by phone. Uh, yeah. Jack, you still there? Yep. Yeah. yeah, Tony. Okay. I think I finished your sermon, but pick right up yep. where you uh, you left off. We spent a lot of time together, so I know exactly where you were going. <laughs> you did a um, you did a great job. <laughs> well, yeah. Take off. Yeah, Tony. The every pulpit in America this weekend needs to make sure that they're giving. Correct, accurate biblical doctrine, which means they're going to be infusing hope into the people. And we are going to lead our congregations in prayer, not only for Ukraine, but for all those who are being affected by this. And, Tony, you said it perfectly well as you filled in. The, The Lord knows these things. That doesn't mean we throw our arms up and say, well, you know, God knows. He knows these things, and that's where, as you mentioned, our confidence comes from. We need to engage We need to be ready because there's going to be an influx. And, Tony, listen, as you look around the world, and by the way, people should get this from our pulpits as well. The Bible is current. We've got issues going on with China and Taiwan. We've got disturbances up in Syria with Iran and China in uh, Russia. We obviously have the Ukrainian thing taking place. What if, Tony, this was to escalate into a world war? No one needs to panic about that. No one needs to think that the Bible has failed us. Everything God has given us is assured in Scripture, and we've got that peace that passes all understanding, and it's contagious. We just need to get it out there among the people, and it must come from the pulpit first. And with that is the confidence to stand in these troubled times. And you you said at the very beginning, there's only going to be more of this. And and we've been saying this since the beginning. You and I have been talking about this from the beginning of the pandemic, uh, where this global plague hit America and other countries. We were telling pastors and churches, look, get ready. This is just a foretaste of things to come. That's right. That's exactly right. Tony, you and I discussed and talked about the passage in Jeremiah when there's a, a mild rebuke that says, if you've become weary Uh, walking with the footmen. What are you going to do when the Jordan overflows and the chariots arrive? And that's what we've got. Now, I am excited. I know you are, too. We're living in an age right now where the church is being purified. Even in Tony, as you and I speak, I'm holding a prayer request that came to me personally from a pastor who I don't know, Vitaly, in Ukraine, reaching out to us asking for prayer. This is the beginning of things where the church is being cleansed, purified, and made ready for the coming of the Lord. Until he does come, we need to be busy about our Father's business. And people need confidence, and they need the hope of the gospel. And that's going to come from us. Yeah, and and see, this is what I think is so powerful about what Jesus was saying, you know, don't be troubled, is because when we have the confidence and and the courage, doesn't mean we're not affected by it. We we certainly are affected. I mean, I've got to pay, you know, you're going to be paying $5 at the pump. Actually, you're going to be paying 7 out there in California. I mean, we're all going to feel the pinch. It's all, we're all going to, we're all going to feel it. However, 
we can have confidence in walking with the Lord, knowing that he said these things were going to happen. And so what happens then? You have others who are just, their world have been, has been turned upside down. They don't know which way to turn. But then they see these Christians who are confident mm-hmm. in the midst of this. What is it? What, why are you so confident? Why do you have peace in the midst of this storm? That gives us the ability to present the gospel. This could be. As we've talked about through this pandemic, this could be the church's finest hour if we would walk with the Lord according to his word, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Tony, I have 100 percent confidence that this is what's happening. I do believe with all my heart that this is the 21st century, the church's golden moment. This is our time. And, you know, listen, Jesus said, I've told you these things in advance, that when they come to pass, you may know that I am he. And that's the key to everything, that you would know that he is the ego and me, that he's the self-contained, eternal, existing God. That is where our hope comes from. Nations will come and go, but the kingdom of God is established forever. And that's where we put our faith and trust. And we do love our country, like the Ukrainians and the Russians love their countries. But glory be to God, our citizenship is in heaven. And until the Lord calls us home, we are going to be doing what is right. We're going to be doing righteousness. But I do believe that this is the golden moment for the church of the 21st century. And uh, Pastor Jack, almost out of time, but well, we are out of time, actually. Uh, Thanks so much, Pastor Jack, for joining us and look forward to continuing this conversation. And folks, thank you for joining us as well. Until next time, keep standing on the truth of God's word. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at one 866 372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.